Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Woo! We're the podcast that talks about gay stuff and discusses the week in LGBT plus history. 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 We talk about LGBT history. Yeah, you forgot the jingle again. He's yeah. got jingle Tourette's. He, every, I just, you Kendall know, you just gotta let it go out. <laughs> wow. All right. We are Who Thomas. <laughs> I'm Thomas. Let them sing it. Tony. Uh, Kendall I. All right. And this week we're reviewing the week <laughs> I had to read my of January. He forgot his name. We're reviewing the week of January the 26th. Is it with two L's of one? It's Kendall. Kendall with one L. He changes his name. Like the e-reader? <laughs> That's what people tell me Kendall. all the time. He like says the e-reader? Because he says his name. What's your name? Kendall. Like Kendall. the e-reader? Kendall. All right. Now I have to say Kendall. Like a true Kendall. homosexual. My name is Kendall. Well, you always said people called you British. Kendall with one people L. People call me British. Like people say I have a British name. Well, people, British you know, accent. you can call me he, you can call me she, just call me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, well, this week, we're reviewing the week of January the 26th through February the 1st. We're already getting to February, y'all. Wow. Sound real Texan there. We're, y'all. we're in February, y'all. At least it's not, uh, I mean, it's not, nothing's wrong with San, San Antonio, but uh, Spencer was telling me the other day, he's like, you say stupid, like stupid. So apparently I'm all San Antonio. Really? Well, you yeah. are from San Antonio. I know. So well, San Antonio represent. Anyways, this week we're discussing uh, the Golden Gate Bridge protest. Uh, so that'd be fun. Uh, Gia Garanji and World War II. So we're going to get into Karanji. 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 Maybe Karanji. Karanji. All right. Uh, so before we dive into our topics, uh, what happened this week? What's the news? Uh, well, I saw something in the news that uh, some guy is suing Pornhub because he's deaf and they don't have closed captioning. Huh. How does that, how does that work? Like, uh, well, I mean, the poor guy is deprived of porn. So well, he could still watch the porn, can he? Well, uh, we should call him. But he doesn't have him call in and tell us. Apparently, he likes, uh, you know, no. like some people just like the action. Some people like the whole plot. Apparently, he likes plot. Obviously, if he wants the closed caption. What sort of plot would there? I mean, I'm just trying to think of the uh, closed caption. Doctor, patient. I, I have Not that I've watched <laughs> porn in a very long time, but allegedly, if I, I mean, let's say, oh, like two weeks ago, when you were like, oh, Pornhub has this new feature where you can like, oh, that you remember. I can't remember <laughs> anything else, but you remember that. I'm like, one. wait, what's my name? <laughs> so this poor guy, he doesn't know what spanking sounds like. I know. So, but so you, it's going to be in parentheses. It's supposed like, to be like thorp, 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 thorp. Like, yeah. how does that? Like, all right. Whip, whip, whip. Like, it's the sloppy wet sound. Is I he, hope he wins his lawsuit. Was he suing for? He's suing because it violates, according to him, the American did, Americans with Disabilities. Act. I agree. It should be part of the ADA. So, but who cares act, if you? Can, act, what about, I mean, interesting on the ADA, like sexual perform, like sexual not performance, but your sex life is part of like that's considered a because the ADA is based on like things you like that life activities and sex is a life activity so it's if you're discriminated because of something you can't do related to sex activities which this would kind of be so if i get fired i can be like they fired me because i have no sex activity (laughs) probably (laughs) not but if you had a condition that would prevent you from having sex so i mean maybe this game is that a condition this i think that for you it might be medically (laughs) might be a medical condition but if he can't see me at the bar he can testify that bitch got no game if he can't masturbate because he's deaf and that's a sexual activity well i don't know maybe maybe he's got a case he's not he's gonna find a good double amputee he can still masturbate well so the question then is is it was he suing was is he gay or straight he's straight oh, because the article are, some of the um those are different sounds that he make. listed actual porn <laughs> names as examples and they're all involved women 
I mean, those are different point. Porn so I quickly sounds. got out of the article. Like, like you don't have. I mean, have, we'll go there. You don't have. <laughs> you don't have anal sex noises. Probably oh don't God. make the same size as vaginal intercourse. No, uh, but we're going to lose our funding, our public funding, our public funding, and our, our grant money. Clean cut audience. Uh, this is. I mean, well, th- I'm just trying to distinguish. Like, what do you? I mean, like I said the sound effects. There goes be our different. elementary school demographic. Wait, do you think? Straight sex sounds. You lost that a long time ago, Nambla. No, they're just different. That's yeah. The, so it's not. But it, I think they have more. There's more sounds. Oh, they just squeak from different. <laughs> well, they have more holes to squeak from. I guess is my point. <laughs> so he's like double deprived if if he's straight and they have like double the noise. Yeah. So this and the, poor guy. And the well, didn't you have a solution for the blind? I'm gonna start a GoFundMe. Um, <laughs> What was my solution? God, I he doesn't remember. But again, he you remembers remember start it. You're going to studio in your basement. Oh, <laughs> right. Feel what it was like. <laughs> my spare bedroom, yeah. It's yes. going to be live porn so that blind people can feel the porn. Them. They're like, oh my God, that's what happened. That's called having sex with you. <laughs> Tony, that's Lights not on. a way. That's... Well, if it ever happens, I'm going to open it up to the public. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That's just called a glory hole, Tony. That's what that's called. Wow. <laughs> Uh, can we transition from something? Uh, Did anything, anyone read any clean anything LGBT else articles this week? Uh, I, I have one. I mean, so the, the People Choice Awards. So it wasn't this week. I think it was last week. Uh, Billy Porter was uh, at the People Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. So we know him from Pose and other things. So this guy's the Emmy, Grammy winning, Tony winning actor. So on its way to EGOT. He went out in a dress. Like, and I say uh, the reason I'm mentioning this because in my social, I mean, he was getting some press out of that because on my Instagram feed we're following him and like for four days straight he was the kinky boots guy right uh, I guess I think he was know. in kinky boots yeah. he was just wearing no he's on um, <coughs> pose pose but I thought he was in kinky boots no I don't know I don't know about Billy that. Porter but anyways okay. he was wearing that dress he says he was wearing it because you know taking off the the, the, the constraints of masculinity he was like I am who I am like I've, I'm evolving and le-. so he was really leaning into himself but uh, his new you know this, the new way he identifies he's still he's a gay man so I don't think he was coming out as trans or non-binary or anything uh, but he was just saying hey look like, if I want to wear a dress him. I'm going to wear a he dress he does whatever he wants to do and so nails dress jewelry I mean to the nine so she was looking good so I'm like good on you Billy one of my Porter. favorite quotes is wait what is it all clothing is unisex if you're not a little bitch about it. <laughs> it's that's just stuff we put on our bodies. Kinky boots. Oh, that's how you know. He's going to be the research got... department came back. All right. Oh well. We're, we fact check live here. Fact people. Check. Google. <laughs> Google is our research department. Google. At least, yeah. I heard something in uh, someone's critiquing podcast. They're like, you shouldn't be able to hear Alexa or Google your Google assistant <laughs> during your podcast. So, um, whatever. We can just she check it. <laughs> we laid her off. Yeah, she got laid off. It's tough. You know, we're, we just lost funding because of what we were talking about. So, uh, just kidding. She was a homophobe. It was good while it lasted. Anything else going on? <laughs> <laughs> you said it in the mic, so now you have say to say something. It. Oh, but it's just so long. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> the research department. Oh, my gosh. Now it's awkward. <laughs> Weren't you going to teach me how to catch the gays? Some women were like, how to catch gays. How to catch the gays. I was gays. like, how do you catch the gays? Well, there was a... <laughs> there was an article. I was like, ooh, tell me. Tell me how to catch the gays. No, a lady <laughs> on... Anything you can get, Tony. Anyways. A lady on Twitter said, here are the eight signs. And I think it might be a joke, but she didn't say it was a joke. Kidding, not kidding. Uh, but kind of like the... A woman writes eight ways to know if your husband or significant other 
Oh, no way. Okay. So let's see if you all agree with this. Okay. Number one, they look, they look at other men in a flirtatious manner. When you're out in public, does he spend too much time looking at other men? Is he fond of winking at people? Does he get visibly upset when someone does not return a compliment about his physical appearance? Well, the first two I could see are ugly. Yeah, the third one is like either... Wait, are you reading the whole, like, the each one by one? What's going on here? <laughs> are those three or were those That's three one. of the top 12? <laughs> yeah, I told you I didn't want to do it and you forced me. One of them is feigning attention in church and prayer groups. Oh, well, you know, don't they, all the gays do that? They're all choir directors, right? And the church is full of them gays. <laughs> I know. What's the next Have one? Have you noticed a lack of interest in spiritual issues? Oh. Does it ever seem as he's just using the church as an excuse that to spend time around young That lady's obviously religious, men? and she's like, Ugh. Too real. Well, of course she's married to a Does he volunteer case. to mentor all male groups? <laughs> Overly fastidious about his appearance in his home. Gay. I'm Guilty. Going, I'm going to church and find like some DL. There you go. Ones that are dressed nicely. He has a gym membership, but no interest in sports. <laughs> this is why when I was doing tri, I think you know triathletes like the like uh, Ironman needs to target gays because they're you know very fit, but you, it's an individual sport, so you don't have to be on a team and don't have to worry about balls to being thrown at your face unless you're into that, <laughs> Tony. She I said, guess. gay men use the gym as a place on. to socialize and have <clears throat> secret liaisons in the bathrooms. Guilty. Allegedly. Number five, clothes that are too tight and too trendy. <coughs> if your husband owns skinny jeans and looks at his buttocks in the mirror, or if he wears an inordinate amount of small size t-shirts, it is probably worthwhile to pay on that, more I attention will say this. to his private So I have activities. this like neighbor who, um, he's married and everything, but uh, he does wear skinny jeans a lot. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of in love with him. He's really cute. The one that listens to this podcast? No, I don't think he does. <laughs> well, was like, uh, all right. No different neighbor. <clears throat> okay, number six, strange sexual demands. Is there a sudden <laughs> interest in sodomy, sadomasochism, lubricants, role play, sex toys, or other non-traditional intercourse methods? This is clearly, Who is this lady? My this God. is clearly an indication of deep emotional abnormality. I think like she's Anita getting Bryant. this. Where's the lie? Is she wrong? I think she saw the movie Scream. You remember? It was, I think it was no, it wasn't. It was a scary movie where they had uh, one of the guys, the characters, was trying to like, oh, let me. He was like making her, his girlfriend put on football gear. And he was <laughs> oh, trying to it was do. scary movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where and she got she this. And then she said, uh, "He said, talk dirty to me." And she said, "Oh yeah." And she, he was like, "Dirtier." She's like, "I'm gonna piss on these walls. <laughs> I'm gonna shit on these walls, Ray." <laughs> and he was like, not like that, not like that. <laughs> Number seven, too many friendly young male friends. Do they touch each other or embrace in long hugs? Do they exchange expensive personal gifts like scarves or cologne? <laughs> I wish I had some gay friends giving me scarves and cologne. <laughs> you didn't get that as part and of the Christmas bonus? The last one, sassy, sarcastic, and ironic around his friends. What does Martha always say? She's sassy, classy, and little gassy. <laughs> it says, in a sense, he has let his hair down, unquote. And this will be seen in excessive <clears throat> back talk and speaking with one's hands. I was using my hands as I was reading that. All right, yeah. Well, I want to Google this lady and see who she is. She's kind of been right oh, on the, all of them. The people, the people on Twitter were coming. Because you, you found that on Twitter, huh? Yeah. yeah, they were coming for her. But I think it was a joke. <clears throat> it sounds like no... I, <laughs> I, it sounds like it's so <laughs> true. It's a joke. Yeah, it's it so sounds realistic. like it's kind of like kidding, not kidding. 
kidding, not kidding. Well, hey, uh, you know, we've been talking about this being a big year for our little podcast. And so we've got some cool things that are going to be happening starting next month. So uh, technically this gets huge. us through February huge. 1st. So, oh, you love huge things. Um, but some little announcements you're going to want to stay tuned for in uh, in the month of February. So starting on February 1st, we're going to do, um, and so now we have to do, I mean, we're, we've planned, so now we have to execute this. But uh, we're going to do a celebration for Black History Month, and we're going to honor some of the uh, and celebrate some of the African American pioneers that uh, have been part of our community and kind of paved the way for us. And so, stay tuned for that. There'll be a little, a few little videos that uh, we'll be starring in. So, uh, but not really, in blackface. Don't worry. <laughs> no, oh, not we, that. We can't do that. We will. <laughs> we will for surely be uh, celebrating those those folks who have again paved the way for us. Some significant people. As I was going through the list, and you know, I was like, wow, these people are. They've it's done twenty eight days. Oprah for me. <laughs> They've done some some good stuff, um, and so other things we have planned. Uh, um, just a little pre-announcement for you guys. So stay tuned to the uh, to our social media channels because we'll give it a, a plug there. But uh, we want to give away some of our swag. We've acquired some. You know, we've got some T-shirts. Uh, we've wrist got some wristbands, and so pens. we want to share those with uh, with some of you guys uh, who so you can proudly talk about gay stuff with your friends and family. So uh, we'll be doing a two online giveaways uh, in the month of February and so like I said stay tuned on social media for some more details so before we go into our <clears throat> excuse me I'm going to get rid of this cold one guy. our first topic though I'd like to talk about one of our new sponsors in focus group we'll remember in focus group uh, from Tammy Wallace who was yeah. uh, on one of she our quiz guest, show episodes yeah. and she talked about her journey talked about uh, her coming out journey talked about the uh, LGBT Chamber of Commerce here in Houston, and how's that? You know, and how it was affiliated with the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce. And I would highly recommend if you didn't listen to that episode, you do because it's a great episode. Yeah, 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 for sure. In uh, her company, In Focus Group, and so In Focus Group is a sponsor uh, of our podcast now. In Focus Group supports organizations on their LGBTQ journey through training, consulting, and speaking. The In Focus Group team is passionate about connecting organizations and individuals to the power of, of LGBTQ diversity and inclusion. In Focus Group works to develop partnerships with organizations pursuing an LGBTQ inclusive workplace culture. We know that organizations achieve their best outcomes when LGBTQ employees bring their full and authentic selves to the workplace. Those organizations willing to invest in LGBTQ inclusion thrive financially and from positive brand recognition. Learn more about the work at InFocus Group and how they can help your organization with LGBTQ diversity and inclusion by visiting their website at www www.infocusgroup.com uh, that's E-N-F-O-C-U-S-G-R-O-U-P you can check out the InFocus Group blog and also sign up for the InFocus Group newsletter uh, and if you go to the website you have an opportunity to download their free PDF which has nine returns on establishing and maintaining LGBTQ inclusive workplace cultures I can say that I've gone to one of the workshops there and very informative, like as a member of the LGBTQ community, you know, you talk about pronouns and, and how people identify with themselves and why that's important and how that, you know, convey, you know, a person's conveying their value and what they, what they want to see. So I, um, the, the information that comes out of in focus group, I will testify that it Justify is, a, it is a, is and a I do think it resource. is important, you know, like, um, when she talks about when people bring their full authentic selves, because I feel anytime you're kind of brainstorming or problem solving at work, um, you know, as a gay person, if you're, oh, well, I have an example, but you can't really talk about it because your company isn't like 
really that inclusive. When you're whatever. like my roommate and I, yeah, yeah you're spending more brain power. Covering yeah, and, and you can't bar. say like, oh, well, I would give this example of you know whatever, but I really can't. So, um, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, so check out in focus group. I mean, I, again, would advocate anyone who's personally interested in it, but also who's, you know, part of an organization that's looking to make sure that their organization is more inclusive and diverse to check out in focus group and, 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 uh, contact, reach out to them. So, uh, there we go. So that said, Tony. Um, okay. So tonight I'm going to talk about, um, a protest that, closed down the Golden Gate Bridge completely um, in the 1980s. And the purpose was because the government wasn't really doing anything about the AIDS crisis. So January 31st, 1989, a group of protesters um, uh, basically shut down the Golden Gate Bridge. And what they did, it was a Tuesday morning during rush hour. It was 7.30 in the morning. 80 demonstrators made their way to the middle of the Golden Gate Bridge, and they um, basically uh, shut down all traffic. So they, com- they spread a banner from one side to the other, and the banner said, AIDS is genocide, silence is death, fight back. And in addition, they had people sitting all the way across the Golden Gate Bridge. And then... Um, I would have been one of the ones sitting, for sure. Of course of you would have. Of course. <laughs> with your big you're cup. Like, you're like, guys, this is a sit-in, really. We don't need to stand up for our rights. We can, this is a sit-in. sit-in. We sit for our rights. Yes. I'm doing it right now. You're and then very good job they also that. were handing out <clears throat> leaflets that I'll kind of talk about in a minute. Um, but uh, it was a pretty big deal because they closed down the Golden Gate Bridge for over 45 minutes. And, um, you know, some people that were trying to make their way into San Francisco, they saw the traffic backed up and they thought, I'll take the ferry. Normally, the whole ordeal of taking the ferry is 30 minutes, and it took two hours. I don't think anyone's ridden the ferry for 30 minutes over in San Francisco. Am I right? Uh, you ever oh, seen grrr, me over there? Okay. No. <laughs> and people that stayed in the traffic jam, it took even longer to go to work. So it was pretty. Um, it was a pretty big deal. 29 people got arrested. All these innuendos, ferries, and sticking it in, and traffic jam, <laughs> like jams. Like. If Only- we were... See, trashy podcast we would bring Kendall is sitting there intellectually listening to this he and is. you're like I come from things from like a scholarly intellectual uh, well, Thomas cancelled his porn subscription that's your reputation so like, yeah. I'm kidding I'm taking it out now <laughs> here um, I'm, I'm protesting I'm them. fighting for that guy who <laughs> needs closed captioning I'm protesting as well <laughs> we're gonna get this guy we're gonna start a GoFundMe <coughs> for this poor guy um, or we're just gonna get him to date you so he doesn't need it anymore Oh, yes. There you go. I'll, I'll turn him gay for sure. Um, <laughs> so the reason I wanted to talk about this is it's kind of a unique protest. So the reason they were doing this is they wanted the um, government to start taking action. So this was 1989. This is eight or nine years into the AIDS crisis. And so at this point, you know, almost 50,000 Americans had died of AIDS. And an American was dying every 18 minutes of AIDS at this point. And the government essentially was doing nothing. I mean, uh, President Reagan didn't even publicly mention the word AIDS until 33,000 people had died. And the Surgeon General didn't even issue any kind of a statement on regarding AIDS until 27,000 people had died. That was in 1986. So 
people were just kind of at a boiling point and there were no other avenues that were working. They couldn't talk to their Congress people. Nobody would really listen. The American public was still like, this is a gay, almost like a gay cure. Um, it's a gay disease. Like, I don't really care about it. Um, and so this protest was about a week and a half after George Bush Sr. was inaugurated. Um, but these people just felt that they had no other option and they just needed to exert pressure anywhere possible. And so um, a couple of quotes from the protesters, you know, one lady said, we really didn't want to inconvenience people, but if we make it their problem, maybe something will actually start getting done. Um, you know, somebody said, we just felt we had to escalate this issue in any way possible. Um, <clears throat> one person said, you know, AIDS will disrupt our lives until we start disrupting other lives. And the reason they chose the Golden Gate Bridge is they knew it would, um, you know, affect a lot of people. And, you know, they didn't say this, but probably get a lot of publicity. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you had to be making a statement if you're trying to yeah, that was uh, stop traffic yeah. in one yeah. of the largest cities in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. And they as, knew it would affect a lot of people. I mean, not as big as San Antonio, but a big city, right? Um, oh, it be. Stupid. Um, so the leaflets <laughs> that they were handing out said, get out of the car and join us. And it said, sick and tired of being stuck on the bridge? So are we. Wondering how long this will be? So are we. Wondering why me? So are we. And so they tried to point out, like, we are so frustrated and we have no option. And, like, there's nothing we can do, really, about this. Um, you know, and one of the protesters said... Everybody here knows dozens, if not over a hundred people that are dying of AIDS. And one said, even the people that don't have AIDS, we're living with it because this is such an inconvenience. Like people can't get housing. You know, we talked in one episode where certain airlines wouldn't allow AIDS patients to fly, things like that. Um, so the reason I want to talk about this is it shows just how desperate they were. I mean, there's no link. I mean, it's not like they were protesting a government building, whatever. They just were grasping at straws to get attention to like, please, somebody have attention to this and like do something. And a lot of the protesters were actually in the final stages of AIDS. And I mean, like in the late stages of dying. And like one of the protesters, he had to be rushed from the protest to the hospital to get his blood transfusion. And several protesters died within weeks or months of this protest. And so I just think of like, you know, like anytime there's a bird flu or like Ebola, I mean, the government is so focused on containing this thing. What are we going to do? Remember a few people died of vaping, so they talked about Yeah, exactly. And now, now it's like, like banning vaping. Yeah, exactly. After a couple of deaths. And this is nine years in, almost 50,000 deaths. And these poor people are like, I can't kind of be on my deathbed in the comfort of my own home with friends. I've got to be out here protesting because, like, people don't care that I'm dying. People don't care about other people that are dying. Well, so much of the argument at the time was this: the problem with the gays will solve itself mm -hmm. with AIDS. They'll die out. Yeah. It's only affecting them was their mentality. Yeah. That wasn't true. Um, and actually, but the thinking was they don't. This is their own fault. And and one one protester even said, she said, you know, we're trying to get people to like be aware of this. Like, what about your kids? You know, your kids could get this disease. Like, people don't want to do anything or even acknowledge it, but their kids are in danger. 
Um, well, once the majority of the population has to come to terms with an issue, um, the way we talk about it changes. I think a lot of people came out and they realized, oh my gosh, this is my nephew, this is my son, this is my whatever, yeah. husband, maybe. And they it humanized the people. But before then, it was just sinning sodomites that were dealing with this in their minds. Yeah, you yeah. had the rare cases like Ryan White and I think mm-hmm. Magic Johnson came out yeah. after that. But, I mean, that's when it started to be like... Yeah. Well, it reminds me of the, the way we talk about drugs now. <clears throat> it's an opioid crisis, you know, an epidemic. And we have to have such compassion and we need more funding. And we, they need rehab, not harsh sentences. When it was the crack, the quote crack epidemic that of the oh, 80s, yeah. when it was, you know, judged to be an inner city, which is code word for black neighborhoods. Right. The solution was to throw everybody in jail. Yep. But now, because the opi- op- opioid crisis is white suburban affecting American. the majority of the country in terms of like white is what yeah. I'm saying. Um, now all of a sudden we have to have all this compassion, which yeah. you should. The compassion should have yeah, always yeah, been yeah, yeah, exactly. But it now they but see it, it because it's in na- their yeah. neighborhood and they see it uh, from a compassionate standpoint. So to me, the the eighties was so much of it's easy if you think you don't know people that are gay to just say, you know, categorize them as other and less than and second class citizens, and that's so much of what it took people like this disrupting traffic. Yeah. For half a day. And that's the thing. I mean, like, as I said, there's no link. It's not like they were protesting, you know, like a government building or or a hospital or something. It's like they just wanted as much attention to get anybody to listen, you know. And it's like you're frustrated because you can't get to work. Well, think how frustrated we are. Um, That's a bold, like, to be out there, especially on the bridge. Like, But that's every protest that goes through the streets. Yeah, but it's like, that's on the freaking, that bridge is high. Like, (laughs) you've been on that bridge? It's like, it's a little scary to be protesting. It's also an iconic bridge, so it's easy to, like, if you say the Golden Gate Bridge, you know. Yeah. And that was, they just had, San Francisco had just had a earthquake or around that time. Maybe it was later in the year. I think it was 91 or something. No, I think it was 89. Oh, no, it was later January in January 89. It would have been later in 89. It was during the World, World Series. So it was so October. It, was it 89? Yeah. I don't know. We I know thought it was early I 90s. Wasn't like 90, I thought it was like 91 or something. <laughs> I was maybe born in the early 80s. But yeah. yeah, but it was October because it was the World I'm seven Series. Years old. <laughs> seven years old. You're getting younger. You're like Benjamin Button. Wow. So that, uh, The 80s, we don't intentionally do so many AIDS topics. <clears throat> I feel like we do one at least once a week because it was such... A huge impact and when you say 50,000 people yes that's a lot but when it's isolated to such a small community yeah I yeah. mean we're like yep a tiny fraction and it kind of makes country, me wonder so it was, it was outsized like negative influence like when the people first started dying were they correctly classified because no. if you were from a small Still town don't. yeah and so there, it, it was probably more than 50,000 yeah. I mean it was more well, than the problem, well and there's yeah. so much shame like some of the celebrities that we do, it comes out later that they died of AIDS, complications from AIDS. Yeah. But they're, you know, when it's reported in the media, it was pneumonia. Right. But it's pneumonia because, because yeah. of AIDS, yeah. you yeah. know. Well, that's, that's uh, I mean, a significant thing. I mean, it brought attention to the, to the cause and uh, definitely let folks yeah. know. And it was just that unique, like the fact that people were 
weeks or months from dying and they had to do this and it was just like what do we do so yeah. that's kind of why i want to talk well, about like you like said because those are very interesting aspects of com- this protest compared to like some of the the uh, things that hit the radar like ebola like those things like yeah i mean two people oh my god the, like a, i mean the government was like i mean that was like a crisis for what a couple of months and the government's like we will not let this spread to the u.s right. now I there's mean, a disease going on in china that's uh, hitting headlines and uh, they're like it's sars like well, when so it was first reported aids was first reported it was the gay cancer they called yep. it yep. yep so it was never had the opportunity to be anything other than a gay disease but it was so horrific they were i mean there was ptsd from people that lived through that time we did a topic a few weeks ago where a guy kept having, he said so many of my friends died of AIDS that he hadn't had sex since 1984. He's still alive. Yeah. He wow. was like, I just became celibate. Yeah. Well, actually, and so um, I have some friends here in Houston. They're, uh, you know, in their late 50s, early 60s. And they said, it was so crazy. You kind of got just immune to this response. But, you know, you'd go to a happy hour or dinner or something that, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, where's Tommy? I haven't seen him for a few. Oh, he went home to die. Because they would have to go, you know, go wherever to, like, have somebody Back take care family. of him. And it was just very common to just, oh, he went home to die. You know, it just happened. Yeah. Um, and, and then the, tonight when we talked about the Oprah episode where that guy, you know, was and caused the controversy in, the in, in West Virginia, oh, yeah, yeah. swam in the public pool. And his family didn't want him and, and the, his community didn't want him. So you're going home to be at peace with your family and then they're all being shunned so much that they didn't even want him to be buried yeah. in the same cemetery. Couldn't be right? buried. Yeah. Because his gay AIDS would go through the soil so, and yeah. infect other corpses. Yeah. It's like, they're already dead, boo-boo. Yeah, it's so So ridiculous. he wanted to be buried with his parents, so they dug up his parents, took him to another cemetery, and buried him next to him. But speaking of old people, I have a story. Today I went to Jack in the Box and ordered a Diet Coke. And, and the like, cash, the why cash, are you cheating on Whataburger? Listen, the cashier said, oh, wait. She said 247 And she looked at me and said, oh, wait, hold on a minute. And did then she it give was, you the senior it was, discount? And then it was 197 and I'm like, did she just... Did she and give you I, the senior discount? She said, do you want your receipt? And it's the only time I say yes. And it, she gave me a senior discount. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so happy. It would have been I'm like, this is the reason I dye my hair gray. <laughs> this is the reason. This is the, why, the reason I paint my face to look like I have wrinkles. You're like, I get... For these senior t- discounts. You're like, I get just for men touch of gray, but like extra gray. Uh, that's 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 good. Uh, before we go to the next topic, uh, another uh, shout out to a sponsor, Economy Works. Economy Works believes in the power of connection. If you're a company that needs project support to tackle your to-do list, benchmarking, analysis, meeting facilitation, Economy Works wants to connect you with its talent network. The talent network has over 700 years of experience in growing in HR, marketing, IT, accounting, and other specialties. Economy Works. When we work, the economy works. Find out more at Economy Works. That's E C O N O M. I W O R K S dot com. Oh, all right. Well, I guess I'm up. <laughs> so my topic, about, I switched my topic midweek. Um, I was going to do the first lesbian prime minister, lesbian gay, LGBT prime, openly LGBT prime minister in the world. Like uh, in the world, yeah. And it's interesting <clears throat> to me because she, it was of Iceland. <laughs> Isn't that the one? We, no, we tried to buy Greenland. And she was interesting to me because when she was prime minister, I was a flight attendant too, and that was her career for leading up to that. She She was was, a trolley dolly. Yeah, she was a trolley dolly. Or if you're a male flight attendant, they call you an air mattress or a sky (laughs) Or maybe they just called me that. That's because you get laid a lot? Yeah. Um, So not going to do that. We'll save it for next year. 
And but little Dusty, oh Dusty, asked us to do Gia Karanji, and that was actually my Dusty is one of our most devoted fans. We he, love him. On Facebook, he's noted as a top fan. Oh wow! I thought he hey would. Dusty. I mean, hmm. Dusty couldn't be well, here even tonight Facebook can get it wrong because he is celebrating Betty White's birthday. <laughs> that was uh, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> so for the, this is for Dusty. We're doing Gia, Dusty. and y'all had never heard of Gia. Had Everyone else can listen. To Gia, I had not. Mm-mm. I'd only Gia Gunn. Or Gia Teresa Giudice's daughter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> initially, that's who I thought home? he was talking about. And then I was like, oh, the original Gia. So Gia was a supermodel from the late 70s, early 80s. They have coined her, but I've read this about so many other supermodels that she was the world's first supermodel and she coined the term. But they said that about Janice Dickinson and several other. But we'll just say that to show Don't how... Don't you claim that title, too? <laughs> right. As a senior citizen. Before you're great. Original supermodel. Um, but she was a supermodel, late 70s, 1980s, and lesbian, openly lesbian. She, Some of the media tries to say she's bisexual, but I think that's just because... They didn't want to admit she's a lesbian. Yeah, yeah. which I think sometimes is the case. Yeah. You know, you're more relatable if you're bi. I mean, when I came out of the closet, I lied and said I was bi for that first day. A lot of people do, That yeah. first day. <laughs> I lasted a few hours, and I was like, mm, I'm going to go ahead and do the full transition. Um, but as a little girl, she, she had a lot of issues emotionally that she kept throughout the rest of her life. Like at five, she was born in Philadelphia, uh, January 29th, 1960. Oprah's birthday. Oprah oh, would have been 16 that day. God. So it's also her birth week, by the way. So she was born in Philadelphia to an Italian-American family that owned uh, little sandwich shops. So she grew up working in the sandwich shops. She was molested once at five years old, and it really affected her. She said it was only once, but it kind of traumatized her. Well, it only takes once for that to happen, to be traumatic. Um yeah. Her parents, her dad was abusive and violent towards the mom, and the mom just got up and left when she was 11 years old. Wow. And the two, Gia was the third of three kids, and the other two were boys, and the boys went to live with mom. Gia stayed with dad. Um, And she always was, throughout most relationships in her life, she was always looking for attention, especially female attention. Um, A lot of her friends were interviewed after she died. Because there's been books about her, documentary, there's an HBO movie about her. And they said she always was looking for, like, female attention. Hmm. And they said it was because of the mom just up and leaving. Because she considered herself a mommy's girl. Oh, okay. And it really messed her up, basically. So she... This was in the 70s when she was in high school, and she was... She called herself a Bowie girl. She was obsessed with... Like David Bowie? David Bowie, Yeah. Which so many celebrities have used him as like an inspiration. Lady Gaga said he's like number one. Because he was doing things that no other celebrity was doing, like with the androgynous look. Mm-hmm. And I believe he was out as bisexual. If he wasn't out as bisexual, we'll have to do it as a topic. Or it's kind of like, I feel with David Bowie, did he really need to be? I feel like most Right. People, yeah. I mean, the whole point, whether he was out as bisexual or not, was the fact that it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm toying with it. I can be. I'm I'm not ashamed of it. This is. Yeah. I'm just. Gonna, he would wear I'm women's me. clothes sometimes. Yeah. He wear had bright bright hair and he would wear platform shoes. 
So she, it attracted a lot of outsiders to that kind of look. And she grew up emulating that and dressing like him. And in high school, she, it was the Bowie kids, they called themselves, that kind of dressed like that. She felt like an outsider. And then later in high school, she kind of gave up that look and started dressing in men's clothing. Okay. And she would have like short hair. She dyed all these crazy colors. She would wear like pleated men's pants and army fatigues and oversized t-shirts. Um, which so this she is would get a lot of attention. 80s. This was 70s because she was born in 1960. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even at that age, she kind of had this rebellious, I'm going to do whatever I want attitude yeah and people paid attention to her and when she was 16 there was a local photographer that was known throughout philadelphia and had connections in new york as well that said i had seen you around town can i take pictures of you and he went they went to a dance club and took pictures of her um, on the dance floor and it was supposed to be such a great picture that it kind of started her career because okay. he published it somewhere and people started talking like, who is this girl? She went at 18 after high school to New York and interviewed with Wilhelmina Elite Model or Wilhelmina Models Inc., which was like one of the biggest to this day, one of the biggest modeling agencies. He's wanting me to stop to take a picture right now. No, keep talking. Oh, my I, God. <laughs> I got so distracted. Paparazzi literally through the windows. We're going to edit that out. We don't edit. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so it, it takes these pictures, goes to New York after 18, doesn't know what she wants to do, but someone's like, oh, my God, you could totally be a model. The photographer's pumping her head with, um, you could be a supermodel, blah, blah, blah. Although she coined the term, whatever. So she, uh, <laughs> so they interviewed by Wilhelmina and Wilhelmina signed her on the spot. They were like, you have that it factor. And she suspended a role that she hardly ever suspended, which was no models under 5'10". She was 5'8", and she signed her and did it anyway. At the beginning when she started doing pictures um, and like trying to get out there and go into these go-sees, they call them, to try to be picked to be a model for these campaigns, nobody wanted her. In the very, very beginning... Because that was the time of like Christy Brinkley, mm. Cheryl Teagues, Blonde. Yeah. Farrah Fawcett was huge yeah. um, in the 70s too. It's that blonde, all-American girl next door. Blonde-haired, blue eyes uh, look that she did not have. They thought she was too ethnic. Oh, okay. Because she had brown but, hair. Yeah, I was going to say Italian. Probably like olive skin. Yeah, not she like wasn't white, white enough. Yeah. That's ridiculous, yeah. Um, but then quickly she became... Like the it girl, and in 1979, within in a five month span, she was on the cover of U.S. Vogue, which is like Vogue is the peak that every model strives to be on the cover of Vogue. She was on the cover of U.S. Vogue, French Vogue, Italian Vogue, British Vogue, oh wow, and Cosmo twice. So she, you're 18 and you're already done with. You know, which, covered all covers that every model wants to do. And which is kind of interesting times. because if in America they were like, oh, you're not white enough. But like that beauty was probably appealing to like all these other, which is why she was probably on all these other Vogues as what, well. Was it? I mean, I don't know. Like, was it wasn't the, well, was, uh, I mean, America was kind of leading the way on, or, or not. Oh, not know. necessarily. No? But I'm saying like, was Christy Brinkley on the cover of like 
French Vogue and all these other, like, Italian Vogue? Maybe not, because she's, like, white American versus, like, this lady is, you know, she's got... Well, in the U.S., we think of our... We have this view that whatever's going on on here is going on in the world. Right, we're the best We think in every single category that the world looks to us, and that's not always the case. No, but I just think about, like, some of the, like, Asian cultures, they will try to emulate the American cultures. That, I mean, so... the Europeans are like, fuck that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, uh, at the time, Wilhelmina had just—you also saw black models being used more too. So I think it was just a time when the fashion industry was saying, "Okay, we've seen it." Almost like the blonde hair, blue eyed. It was a fad. No butts. You know, it was like late seventies, early eighties. Flat blonde, butts. Blonde, blonde, blonde. Flat butts. <laughs> All right, the no butt decade. Why would they want no butts? I don't know. Ridiculous. It was like their back was connected well, to you're their legs. As a gay man. Who loves butts? Oh, you I hate straight women. men that like you don't. You, know, you, you get grossed out by women's butts, huh, Kendall? Yeah, yeah, I don't understand the appeal. But <laughs> she was uh, considered like edgy and tomboyish and just completely different. They said she had one of these faces that could. It could be high fashion. It could be like rebellious. And she was. She could look like she could cut you. <laughs> but she also could look like she like socialite Grace Kelly type, whatever. Yeah. Um, so she just had this distinct look. And the first shoot, she major shoot she did, she got completely naked. When the other models left, he was like, who wants to do art? <laughs> she got completely naked and posed behind a chain link fence. Um, and they convinced the makeup artist, whom she had dated later, female makeup artist, to pose with her. And it was kind of like, Ooh, she was this blonde makeup. Erotica? Well, yeah. And she was a blonde makeup artist on one side. And then... Gia was on the other side. It was like this mirror image, but you have the blonde hair, blue eyes. Oh, wow. That's cool, yeah. And Gia just like came off of the photographs. It looked amazing. I saw him in doing research. Um, you became straight all of a sudden? No, because she probably had too big of a bush. Oh, it was yeah, like coming through the chain link fence. That was before trimming. <laughs> so <laughs> those were the... It was the vines on the <laughs> chain link fence. <laughs> Shag carpeting was still in. Gross. Hey, we're okay with people who have full bushes. Come on. All natural. So she's That's 18. She becomes the it girl. She's there alone. She moved up to New York by herself. You're just a baby at 18. <coughs> yeah. And then people start, and you're posing naked. And New York was rough in those days. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Very Late dangerous. 70s through the mid 80s. I'd say there's a good 20 even, years. Even later. It was like yeah. grungy, dangerous, Very completely dangerous. different vibe than it is. I mean, they say now it's been Disney-fied. Um, I mean, so it's she true. came and she started going to Studio 54 because she was the girl that every photographer wanted. <clears throat> and she started going to Studio 54. She would do drugs every now and then, kind of like socially, but it wasn't big. And she did it a little bit in high school, but she was never dependent on it until they say the turning point was when <coughs> Wilhelmina Cooper, who was like her, took her under her wing, that owned the modeling agency, signed her. Um, died in 1980 and she said that kind of threw for a loop because that was a mother figure that uh, abandoned yeah. her in a sense mm-hmm. and then that's when someone on a set said here this will make you feel better what was it coke it was heroin oh shoot Get so it. she started doing heroin <laughs> and in the early 80s heroin was considered heroin was considered like glamorous high society drug really they said if you snort it instead of injecting <coughs> it it wouldn't be addictive <laughs> mm. So she started doing that, and she quickly became addicted. And some of her, when she became addicted, 
as she's becoming really, really famous and sought after in the industry, it kind of brought out the more rebellious, I'm going to do whatever I want side uh, of her. Okay. So she would go on set, and if she, they didn't like the way, she didn't like the way they did her hair, she would just get up and leave. Wow. Or she'd be in the middle of a shoot, and she would just say, I'm leaving, and leave with the designer outfit on. <laughs> and sometimes she'd be so high that she'd fall asleep while they're doing her makeup. Or they'd have to cancel the whole shoot. And these shoots are like expensive. Yeah, yeah. It can be anywhere around the world. Yeah. Because at this time, she was traveling all over the world. And she's seeing... She doesn't really have stable female relationships, but she's constantly seeing girls. Her friend said it... Her elementary school friend said when she was 13, she would send girls flowers. Like she was just had like no fear about meeting girls, talking to girls. But they all said, and all the like the articles I read, they were like, she had this puppy dog quality to her, to her, like this needy, Mm. like, don't you think I'm cute? Don't you, I need you. Like, where are you going? They also said she was manipulative. Um, but all that stuff became worse as she did drugs and she would have like violent temper tantrums on the set to where she had gotten to the point where she's completely blackballed in the industry and nobody wanted to work with her. I mean, really? did she have a mental health issue? I mean, I'm sure she did, but was that part of her story or is that not confirmed? What do you mean though? I mean, does it have to be diagnosed? No one was talking about mental health. No, no, I don't. And that's why, I mean, I mean, obviously it's a mental health issue. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just curious. So. Yeah. But, I mean, it was never spoken in that way. Right. Well, in the 80s, there was a stigma. I mean, now it's yeah. like, hey, you, you have depression, you manage it. Like, and that's that's okay, right? So, But you're a model and you make so much money. What do you have to be depressed yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. Actually, there was a meme about that on Facebook this week. About? It's like, oh, it's like, I'm depressed. Well, why are you depressed? You have a great life because I have depression. Yeah, because it's yeah. a condition that I have yeah. that I live with for the rest of my life, yeah. right? So. Well, and she had... So she watched her dad beat her mom. She was molested by a man at five. Her mom left at 11, yeah, so she, she had abandonment yeah. stuff. And then you become a supermodel at 18. You don't have time to deal with anything. And I would and say... And no one's there to help you. You're just a yeah, paycheck. Yeah, exactly. If you're 18 and you're the supermodel and you're alone by yourself in New York, those fucking modeling agencies and everything else are just... You're a paycheck to them. And yeah. they will oh, yeah. just use you. Yeah. And also they're telling you stay thin mm-hmm. and oh yes well yeah. they're telling you i mean all, don't eat this because like judy garland yeah that. but they're also feeding you good stuff right it's not not literally not literally food but they're right. like oh you're gonna go somewhere you're great and uh, i mean there's some of that too yeah. right and so you start believing your own hype i mean i have trouble with celebrity now i mean since we've been doing the podcast so i can't imagine I doing it since i was 18 because you thought you'd be one now yeah just kidding. He is one. <laughs> no, that was your story that you thought you were being idolized by people at the bar. No. You. you no, said, I did not. And we're not going to tell that story. You have already told the story on the podcast. Wait, I want to hear the story. We'll save it for another time. <clears throat> so she had um, <laughs> a reputation as being difficult story. and rebellious. <clears throat> the sad thing is, here's this girl that everyone wants to work with. And then when she starts doing drugs because she couldn't <clears throat> deal with her own stuff. One photographer called her a trashy little street kid. You know, like their their opinion of her completely changed. Mm. To me, instead of seeing it as like a cry for help or yeah, like somebody help this help girl, her. yeah, it was kind of like, oh, she's so hard on set to deal with. Oh, I could imagine that industry being vicious. Yeah. 
And then it also got almost impossible to shoot her because she developed track marks on her arms, so they'd have to cover the arms. And she had a sore on her hand that got so infected because she kept injecting heroin in the same spot in her hand uh, that she had to have surgery on her hand because it came so infected. Wow. Yeah. And then she was puffy because of it. She just started looking completely different. She looked dead in her eyes. So she went back home for a little bit to go to rehab and to kind of take a break. While she was back home in the early 80s, um, she hit a fence while she was driving high. And then the cops tried to pull her over and she wouldn't pull over. So she got arrested. Um, They finally got her over and arrested her for being driving under the influence of a narcotic. So she had to get bailed out for that. She went to rehab and she never could quite get off the drugs. Yeah. But then she was like, well, I got to get back to modeling. This is my job. Like, I can kick it. I can get rid of it. These modeling agencies kept dumping her. So she went to another modeling agency and he was like, okay, but I want you to do an interview and we'll do like, you've changed. Oh, she, like that was the like storyline. There's the bad side of modeling, mm-hmm. and you got over that. So in 1981, she did a 2020 interview. It was the only interview she ever did. She was nervous because she was like, I get pictures taken of me. I don't do interviews. So they do her makeup, and she goes to the bathroom and does drugs. And in the interview, which I found online, 2020, you can tell she is so high. She's interviewing with Barbara Walters or who? No, it was oh. just a some reporter. Um, in the clip I saw, they never showed his face but the whole point of the segment was there's a bad side to modeling and she had gotten over it yeah and she was she's she's giving the interview high and during this time she was still trying to get drugs she got raped by a drug dealer um she turned to prostitution to get drugs she's spending all the money she's making when she had her big year in the very beginning like 79 to 80 she was the highest paid model in the world wow and now she's resorting to prostitution to pay for drugs God, and begging people story, for money yeah. and she was stealing from her mom that she would go stay with when she went back home so she's rock bottom just trying to function yeah and it was always about the next hit yeah and at this point there was only one photographer that was working with her um, her last Cosmo cover for example and you can find it online they had her turn her face she's in like this puffy 80's prom dress they had her turn her face because head on it just looked too puffy she didn't look like herself hmm. and her arms are completely behind her back to cover her track marks that was the last shoot she did where she was actually on cover of a magazine the last shoot she was supposed to do her career had gotten, she could not book jobs anymore. So there was this low, there's a German mail order, like clothing mail order catalog. Um, they hired her and then fired her because she, they caught her doing heroin on the mm. set. So she, her place mostly she hung out was this in the Lower East Side of New York. They called them shooting galleries. Mm-hmm. So when she would get money, she'd go to this neighborhood in New York, to these areas to where you go, you can buy it, you do it in a room full of people, you can kind of get high, sleep it off for however long you need to do it, and they would share needles. 
it's like yeah. here you want this syringe put your heroin in it and just pass the syringe around I mean they didn't care about they yeah. didn't even know the repercussions of then this is the early 80s yeah um so she can't get any modeling jobs she moves back home does rehab gets out never can stay clean at this point she's taking little odd jobs like she was selling jeans in the mall mm-hmm. that's a crazy can you imagine going from like yeah being on the cover of all these magazines to now you're selling i mean yes prostitution but i'm just thinking from a modeling standpoint like yeah. you wear those designer jeans and you're like oh one day i'm i can model these things and you did that and now i mean again prostitution's worse than that but it's just the from that the same spectrum right yeah. like so and you're in your early 20s yeah, yeah early 20s. i mean you're already washed up at early yeah. 20s yeah wow and she feels her jobs complete her career is completely over she was a checkout clerk at a cafeteria in a nursing home was her last job. So for the last couple years, she was just barely surviving, mostly staying with her mom. Um, and she kept, she was sick and she started suspecting she had AIDS. No way. <clears throat> she was diagnosed with AIDS um, in 85 and right before she thought she had AIDS, she was raped again. And found beaten and raped um, on a street in Atlantic City. Oh Obviously, he is not the one that gave her AIDS, but she gave it to him. Probably, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. Found out she had AIDS and died within a year. Her mom came down and took care of her, but kept. She didn't let people. She was kind of the gatekeeper. She didn't want people to see mm. her beautiful model daughter that was known for this beauty. Yeah. You know, with the AIDS lesions and she was losing her hair and she just was too weak to even, she said when her daughter did die, her skin was just falling off of her. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so no one ever really knew she died. In fact, when she had her funeral, there was no one from the fashion modeling industry present at all. Oh, that's crazy. Cause they didn't even know she was dead. Hmm. So you reach the peak. Yeah. And then there's, and there's so much shame. This was the eighties. She died in 86. Oh, November wow, of '86, yeah. so this was when there was so much shame. I mean, that's right in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. Right, exactly. Yeah, where you didn't want people to know, and you, like we were just saying the the other segment, you would tell people your loved ones once you did die would say it was pneumonia or died yeah. unexpectedly oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Um, but at the time, because people still wanted her look. Like, when she became too difficult to work with, it's not as if, like, oh, we don't think you're... She, it's like she carried on this new look of modeling, and then she became too difficult to work with. And Cindy Crawford has done interviews saying, Gia gave me my career because I was the Gia that was easy to work with. Mm. They look very similar. Yeah, because she's got dark hair, yeah. like olive skin. Yeah. Uh, they called her... Her nickname was Baby Gia. Really? When she started out. And she was just like a professional would show up, not be high, mm-hmm. Gia. But that's how big she was. And then you die, and then nobody from that industry. Even, yeah. Yeah. Tells you what the industry's like. Mm-hmm. But there's been a documentary made about her, several books. But the biggest thing about her life was a 1998 HBO movie where Angelina Jolie played her. No oh, way. That yeah. was the movie. Okay. And I watched it years ago and remembered it being good. The th- number one thing I took away from it in memory was that Angelina Jolie has one boob much bigger than the other one because she's naked in much of the movie. 
And I'm like, all women do, don't they? It looks like I think there was a birthday do. party, and then like somebody was like, "I'm not blowing up this last balloon all the way." <laughs> <laughs> well, sadly though, she uh, she had a. I mean, she she. Oh made no! So today I watched it and watching those boobs, but she had a double mastectomy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Angelina. So now they both look like that left one. <laughs> Deflated. Just kidding. No, that's very. So insensitive <laughs> is the word you were looking for. But Mila for. Kunis played the daughter. I mean, the younger Gia too. The movie was a huge hit. It was her first big movie. Like this was the breakout role for Angelina Jolie. She won a Golden Globe, won a Screen Actor Guild Award. Faye Dunaway played Wilhelmina Cooper. Faye um, Dunaway, yeah, from, and won an uh, Emmy for that. Wow, that, I'm gonna check out that movie again. I've never seen it actually. I remember hearing about it, but I've never seen it. But in the early '90s, there was kind of like this or in the 90s period, there was this resurgence of Gia. Like, oh, remember Gia? And kind of, they kind of fetishized her look. Like, there's these weird websites now about her, almost like making her this glamorous figure for being a heroin junkie. Oh, like heroin chic? Yeah, and in the 90s, heroin chic was a thing where all these models were looking like they had just, you know, had a binge. Um, Kate Moss came into that, and a lot of it was credited to people like Gia, who were actually heroin junkies. <laughs> wow, let's look. Let's give us that Gia look. You mean the heroin, yeah, uh, you story, know, yeah. drug addict? No, that's not good. Huh. But the movie is very good. It's very sad. It's very well made. They're due for a remake, then I'm sure, or like a, or a new movie. It's that time. It's been over 20 years. So and Angelina Jolie looks so much like her. Yeah, really. Yeah, it was a good casting. Well, I was looking at a picture. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. She looks so much like Janice Dickinson, too. Yeah. Janice Dickinson, I love. She's a hilarious. She calls herself the world's first supermodel. Well, that's good when you call yourself the first uh, right. supermodel. Right. Well, she says she coined the term. I had someone the other day tell me they, they've always considered themselves a genius. So I was like, well, that's good, good for you. So- yeah. No, he's orange and gross. And even though I hate when people are like, mm, the orange <laughs> Cheeto, like, that's never It's a dog. Um, I guess it, that means your the topic's up. The neighbor's dog. It was me. Does that mean your topic's you up? call me a dog. Yeah, that was the cue that my topic is over. Wow, that's all we need to do is wow, get the dog okay, barking. Why are they cutting you off like that? I don't know. Like, I'm used they, to men barking at me. You have 15 minutes. Wolf. Cutting you they, off, even if it's a I thought story. they were supposed to say wolf. Anyway. 15 minutes? What am I going to do with the last 13? Da, 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 da. Okay, uh, so we went dark, and now we're going to go darker. I'm going to talk about World War II. Ooh. I think it's significant because there's a, well, the reason I'm talking about it, not just because of World War II, but there's actually a couple of major milestone events that happened kind of this week in, in LGBT history that have a, a significant impact on, on the LGBT community uh, during World War II. Uh, so first, we'll uh, start with a little German history. So prior to World War II, uh, you had Germany was, I mean, struggling, recovering from World War One. They had uh, a lot of debt, inflation, that political tensions at home uh, and abroad. I mean, they were still trying to repair relationships with uh, the, you know, the, the people that defeated them, uh, and then a lot of extremism at, as well that they were dealing with. Interestingly, although the, the country and the economy in Germany weren't doing well, the LGBT community in Germany in the, in the 20s and 
er, early part of the 30s, they were actually doing well. I mean, yeah. and across the globe, the the German LGBT community was kind of seen as as one of the kind of leading leading fronts in terms of LGBT equality. Um, I'm not saying they were getting full equality, but there were uh, um, yeah, it was very socially acceptable, like in Berlin. Yeah, there were movements to try to repeal some of the the anti-homosexual um, laws that were out there. Um, but nonetheless, it was still well, the, that were. The, I think that fed into the feeling at the time of like, anytime you get more rights, there's going to be a conservative group that's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not so fast. We need to change this. And it can sometimes the more rights you get, there's a brief period yeah. of like, they're going to take away some other right or take the right back. I think that's what was happening in Germany. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, yeah, def- definitely there was a feeling that Make it, Germany great again. The LGBT, the, especially the gay men, were being. Uh, um, it was very decadent in Germany. I mean, it was still illegal to be gay. There was a. Um, a it's famously known as Paragraph One Seventy Five, which was a uh, part of the German Criminal Code that um, started in the in the eighteen hundreds and eighteen seventy two. Uh, which was basically saying homosexuality is illegal, kind of paired it with uh, with bestiality and saying these are unnatural acts. And so that was there, but it re- wasn't really enforced in the 1920s. Uh, like you said, it was it, you know, Berlin was a thriving place for LGBT folks. I mean, there was uh, often a topic of, in the press and literature and film, and there were over 100 gay and lesbian bars in Berlin at the time. Uh, and then this week in LGBT history, June, January 30th, 1933, Hitler was sworn in as the chancellor of uh, Germany. And so this being because, you know, the Nazi party at the time was um, starting to get a stronghold. There was a lot of instability in, in Germany. People were suspect of, of Jewish people and of homosexuals. And uh, the German government basically ceded the kind of the authority to to Hitler. And so. Uh, of course, as we know, you know not a, a great story for the next you know, 15 years or so in Germany, uh, well, at least through 1945, um, because the Nazis really had this focus on racial purity. Uh, they yeah. largely blamed the Jews, but um, the homosexuals were, gay people were, were getting in the way of r- the racial purity as well, because obviously they weren't producing, right? Yeah, because it was, it was almost like anybody that wasn't perfect. Right. You know, any disability, gay, yeah. yeah. So I would have been safe. Uh, yes. Well, and like you said, Kendall, I mean, because, you know, they were, there was this perception that gays had rights there in Germany, even though it was still illegal, but it wasn't being enforced. The Nazis were really we like, were a little hey, too uppity. Yeah. Too uppity is correct. And so the Nazis saw this vice needed to be eliminated uh, because, again, it got in the way of their, their idea. And also, they were saying there was the whole point of Adolf Hitler saying, you need to trust me to take the reins of Germany was that... Germany was in decline yeah. from great old Germany. Now we have all these vices and the gays are running around and the Jews. We still have the Jewish problem that we don't And they like felt that, have. like, the reason they lost World War One was because there was weakness amongst the ranks. You know, like, they wanted this pretty much perfection, like this broad-shouldered good-looking perfection right and no, we and, all and like Kendall, for, they wanted like, Kendall. that's yeah. what you're looking this is why you can't find a man tony because you were looking for mr perfect Shit, i'll tell you what i can get <laughs> you're looking at a german soldier <laughs> but uh yeah it was just um yeah i mean the, the 1920s were not a good time for germany i mean they, were, they won't lost the war there were a lot of people that were mad for germany for being weak one for losing it and then for all the things they gave up so you know again hitler takes place 
or takes power in 1933. And then in 1933, you saw the kind of the first major event that at least as it relates to, I mean, broadly kind of the takeover that was going on, but relative to uh, the LGBT community, you had a, a, a stormtroopers and students, they broke into the Institute for Sexual Science, which was founded by Magnus Hirschfeld. We know that name because he uh, was a doctor who counseled uh, Carl Baer, who we talked in uh, about a few, uh, he was one of the, the first trans, uh, trans people. Uh, so we talked about him a few episodes ago. So broke into, stormed the Institute for Sexual Science um, in uh, in Berlin. And over basically what they did when they raided it, they took all the books, they took artwork uh, from from libraries as well. Over t- between twelve thousand and thirty five thousand books and pictures deemed to be degenerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they took these and into Berlin and had this book burning. Uh, so we lost a lot of valuable art, uh, especially since that was one of the few institutes studying kind of sexual um, health and behaviors at the time. Uh, so that's 1933. So Magnus Hirschfeld, he was out of out of the country at the time, and he stayed out of the country because he knew he was going to be targeted. Um, then in 1934, you had these things called pink lists that started to be developed, and so this was basically the Gestapo uh, instructing the local. T- police department to start keeping lists, which many of them had already been doing, of folks that were engaged in homosexual activities. So this serves as a list later, so when they want to go on raids of people, they have already listing, hey, you've already done wrong, you're, you know, you're homosexual, we know that, and you're breaking the law. So, mm. so this comes into play later. Um, and then in, in 1935, the paragraph 175 is revised uh, in June of the, that year. Uh, that's rewritten basically to emphasize criminality. So they started to, and, and they also said in this revision that basically anything could be deemed a homosexual act. So touching, kissing, masturbating uh, next to each other, mm-hmm. those are all things that could be deemed That's where that homosexual woman got that act. list of eight things. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> Paragraph 175. Exactly. She summarized it and modernized it. It was this This new edition. Right. But, I mean, no longer did you have to be actually in the act and caught. It was just like, okay, well, you were masturbating next to each other, so therefore you're homosexual and um, we're going to arrest you. Uh, so this new uh, revision was introduced, uh, was it went into effect on September 1st of 1935. Um, and basically, p- because homosexuality was deemed unnatural, um, they, they were looking for everything. And so uh, this this the, the other kicker was the imprisonment piece, because, again, it was lo- largely overlooked. Mm-hmm. And now they were enforcing prison terms uh, for basically any indecency um, committed with coercion. So forcible like rape uh sex with adolescents under the age of 21 and just male prostitution although this law this new revised uh paragraph 175 did not include anything related to women so they were really targeting Mm, gay men um in 1936 the gestapo established a central office to investigate homosexuals so they uh there was this uh office called the Reich Central Office for Combating Homosexuality and Abortion. So wow. this is where they targeted the, in terms of the women because of abortion. Uh, again, why do you link abortion and homosexuality? It's because these were, um, if you're not having kids... It's preventing German Aryan kids from being produced. Right, right. So... Um, what also happened is they started to jail people without, uh, without any, uh, without any prior you know record. What the gays do in jail. Well, until they went to the concentration camps. Um, the, the peak, 
which we'll get to, the peak uh, persecution of gays in Germany started taking place between 1937 and 1939. Uh, they started shutting down meeting places. They started uh, relying on informants uh, to really and undercover, undercover agents to start uh, weeding out the homosexuals in Germany. Um, and then in 1938, there was a, a, the Gestapo again kind of uh, chimed in and uh, issued a directive that the men convicted of homosexuality could be sent to co- concentration camps. So they didn't have to go to prison. They could go straight to concentration camps. And I doubt there was much evidence to convict them. Jews and they saw someone who was on the pink list, they'd be like, you're going to the concentration camp. Uh, if, the, if they suspected you of doing something, they didn't need to even need to take you through a trial. They could send you straight to the prosecution. They'd either put you in a labor camp or, uh, or submit you to hard labor or send you to a concentration camp. Um, and so in the camps, this is where stuff really kind of happened. I mean, we know the story of, of, I mean, many of us are familiar with what's happened in concentration camps, but just to not firsthand note what what happened so prisoners so lgbt uh, gay men specifically were marked by pink triangles uh, that was used to signify their homosexuality and the result was that because you could easily identify that so the pink pink triangles on their on their clothing um they were harshly treated probably worse than any other of, of the prisoners which is like how do you, I mean, you already know what the conditions were happening. Yeah, that and the, a lot. Uh, They were treated the, the most harshly. Um, survivors indicated that they were the, the most abused in the camps. Of course, you know, the pink triangle, that uh, got some notoriety back in the, what, the 90s because you had a Teletubby wearing that uh, pink uh, triangle. Oh, yeah. and ACT UP. And ACT UP, yep. Used so, that, incorporated that into their insignia. Oh, they did? Yeah, and so, I mean, with that, I mean, the gay community, LGBT community has tried to reclaim the, the pink triangle, but it was at the time in World War II, it was definitely not a, anything anyone wanted to be associated with. Um, you know, again, at the time, uh, well, I, the, in addition to the uh, pink triangle, there was also people would be marked with the, the number 175, which was in recognition of paragraph 175, or the letter A. Um, the letter A represented Arschficker. Um, any guess what Arschficker means? Assfucker. Yes, Assfucker. So they were marked with the letter A. So wow. I'll talk about a scarlet letter. Um, of course, during that time, remember, we've talked about this before, homosexuality is deemed as an illness, right? And so yeah. um, what they decided to do, uh, at, at, since they had these, um, these people that needed to be cured, these gay men, they started to use them as uh, experiments, test yeah, test wow, subjects, uh, to try to cure them of, of homosexuality. So they'd use humiliation, uh, hard work, and just kind of put these really stressors on them to basically rid them of their homosexuality. Another option was castration. Um, so that's something that they, they would do. Um, sometimes they would castrate people. They didn't even give them an option. So they would just castrate them and then kind of see what happened after that. Um, a lot of the medical experiments resulted in mutilation and death, um, again, in the spirit of trying to find a cure for homosexuality, as well as like typhoid fever, because that was kind of going around in the concentration camp. So they used uh, them again as test subjects. Um, again, the, the other piece of it, because uh, no one, I mean, they were treated the worst. Gays had to, they didn't have a support network. Not that you yeah. were living a long time in the concentration camps, but if you happened to be part of the labor camp and surviving, 
that a lot of times you could commiserate with the other prisoners but if you're gay like you're you're yeah. basically by yourself you have yeah. no no allies there um yeah. uh, not just straight allies but yeah because even the other prisoners were probably like you know anti-gay right yeah and you were trying to keep your head down so you could survive and it was yeah. a survival thing so um you weren't com- you weren't trying to plot i mean there was a, you know, a story of one uh, at auschwitz there was a kind of a, a, a prisoner rebellion and there was i mean the, the gays weren't going to be able to do that because they again were singled out and treated very harshly so you were trying to minimize the punishment that was happening to you now interestingly you know some homes some of the gay men did buy favors um from uh, what they call capos so capos were other prisoners that were basically in charge of, of prisoners. And so the capos, they'd, they'd basically solic- they'd offer sexual favors for extra food or protection from some of the guards. But the capos, they didn't have any allegiance to anyone. So they would basically get what they wanted out of you and, and then, then yeah. kind of push you to the side or I would do that. S- submit you to what do what? Take the sexual favor and then not deliver. Give the sexual no. favors? I would do what I need to do with the capos. Me yeah, too. but they, I mean, for what? I mean, for a nothing. temporary reprieve? I mean, for nothing. You would have just done it for just to get some. Pleasure. Um, Out of habit, force of habit. <laughs> so, you know, what the, the impact on the LGBT community in Germany and just across Europe was pretty significant. Between 1933 and 1945, 100,000 men were arrested. 50,000 German men were convicted under paragraph 175. And it's estimated that, and there's no exact numbers because they weren't keeping good records uh, and if any records they did have they would try to destroy and, um, anywhere between five and ten thousand uh, were s- uh, gay men were sent to uh, Nazi concentration camps um, this was after serving their sentences and it's estimated that between 55 and 65 percent of those men died um, mm. so well, the other thing I wanted to mention though is like at this time so they were sent to concentration camps one of the most notable concentration camps was Auschwitz so this was a concentration camp that was founded in uh, 1940 uh, and it grew and it grew through the the labor of some of the prisoners so they basically th- built three camps as part of Auschwitz and had a, several other sub camps uh, but this the Auschwitz is known because it was part labor camp uh, and uh, uh, what else they had it was a holding camp so it was a holding place before they sent you to other uh concentration camps it was labor camp so they'd use uh one of the the camps within the auschwitz to uh do synth- like build synthetic rubber and other things for the war effort uh and then it was also one of the n- most notable uh killing camps so mm-hmm. a big gas chamber that they would uh, basically trick Jews and, and other prisoners into saying, hey, you know, go to take a shower, disrobe. And essentially that shower area was not a shower yeah. area. It was a gas chamber. So these folks were often just brought in and then eventually gassed. Some were lucky enough to go to labor camp. But the labor camp situation where, you know, long hour days, people would die of illness. Um, they were yeah. malnourished. Um, that was not an ideal situation. Um, but that's kind of how that evolved. Uh, they built a third camp in 1942. Um, and again, this was known as to be one of their largest killing centers, uh, all in as part of the final solution that the Germans had in terms of achieving the racial purity they had. At, uh, in all the concentration camps, there's like 1.3 million people that were sent to the camps. Uh, nearly 1.1 million of those were murdered, uh, and nearly one million of those were Jews. So, I mean, significant impact, like, I mean, 
it's it's startling to see the numbers i mean you know it mm. happens and then when you like and you've we've learned through this throughout school on our own personal learnings and uh, documentaries that we watched but you, know, you see those numbers and you're like one million people died that's just crazy i mean yeah. and again all these weren't uh gay men but it just people just wiped out a huge section yeah. of the population so um well and tens of million people died in the war itself right hundreds of, hundreds of millions yeah yeah and so Auschwitz, though, uh, again, this week in, in history, in LGBT history, Auschwitz was liberated by the Soviet army on January 27, 1945. Um, so with this January 27th date in mind, um, in 2005, the, U, the United Nations uh, General Assembly uh, decided that uh, you know, there should be a, a uh, Remembrance Day. So it, um, on January 27th, we celebrate International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, it was first commemorated, so it was, the idea was drummed up in 2005, and the first uh, Remembrance Day was commemorated in 2006. So this day is established, one, to commemorate, uh, to have com- commemoration, sem- I can say this, commemoration ceremonies to mark the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. Um, but it's also to honor the, the Jewish victims, uh, so the six, six million Jewish victims of the Holocaust and other, Nazi, uh, other victims of Nazism, to reject Holocaust denials because those, you know, those folks are out there, uh, and then as a resolution to preserve the sites that the Nazis had, uh, just because it served as a reminder, like, this stuff happened, right? Um, and then condemns all forms of religious tolerance. So we celebrate that day every every year since 2006 uh, as a way to honor those that uh, that died at the hands of the Nazis. Um, some interesting thoughts on on all of this, though. Um, you know, the, there was this big liberation, right? Auschwitz and other concentration camps liberated, uh, but some of the the gay men were forced back into prison to serve out the remainder of their really? prison terms because uh yeah and this was american and british lawyers who were trying a lot of these things and kind yeah. of going through it they're like well these guys are gay they broke the law they should go back to prison so some of them had to go back to prison um it, so in essence because yeah, people, nobody really had sympathy for the no, gay man right and so, which is crazy. I mean, you think about all this, and you're like, oh, gay, you know, realizing gay people were involved with it. Um, but they didn't, if they happened to survive after that painful experience, they got to go back to, yeah. to prison because they were gay. Yeah. Because you can't help being Jewish, but you can help being gay. Right. Yeah. Well, and again, it was deemed a, an illness at the yeah. time, right? Um, so, because people were embarrassed and they didn't want to talk about it, you, I mean, we lose a lot of. Um, knowledge about what happened to really from to gay men during that because no one was really talking about it. i mean you had a lot of jewish people talking about their experience and saying you know so we have uh, accounts from them but we don't really have accounts from gay men because they were too scared to talk about what happened um and you know the other th- thing that i think is interesting is there was compensation offered to the jewish victims and other uh, victims yeah. nothing Not was to offered gay. to to the gay men that were uh, held in the concentration camps so just a final thought. You know, there's a quote from our researcher. Um, Despite the fact that they no longer had to wear the triangles that designated them, they remained marked to the end of their lives. And so, uh, which is just a sad reality. I mean, the whole World War II, all the, the Jewish people that were killed at the hands of the Nazis, the soldiers that fought in the war, uh, all the sacrifices that were made, um, you know, you don't want to minimize any of it or say anyone had it easier or worse. But you have gay men who, again, 
some of them had to go back to prison yeah. and they didn't receive any acknowledgement. It wasn't until like the, the 80s that there was even any recognition that LGBT people, specifically gay men, were part of the yeah. extermination uh, crusade you know that the Nazis were on. You say that because my friend Sarah, a couple of years ago, um, I mean, I just am fascinated by World War II, so I, you know, have like read a lot about it and everything, but um, she's my age. I mean, went to college and everything. And she had no idea that any anybody besides Jewish people were targeted by the Nazis. And I was like, yeah, pretty much anybody who, you know, like gypsies. gypsies too, yeah. yeah, gypsies, gay people, if you had any kind of physical deformity. Gypsies, tramps, and thieves. Yeah. Share some. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I don't think that was in right. So it is interesting that, I mean, a lot of people, I think, don't even know that, like, gays were targeted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, sad i mean and i again I, I think we get lost in that that's why again it was a little bit longer topic and kind of meaty but it was i think uh, i think it was necessary just in terms of like to explain yeah. how it all came to be the laws that were in place and he like said to me it was interesting too because at the time uh the you know lgbt community was somewhat thriving in in germany ahead of this and then all of a sudden well, comparatively yeah, I mean, but a hundred gay bar. I mean, we don't even have a hundred. What place do you know that has a hundred gay bars now? Like, I mean, that's that's a sizable community there. Um, so, I don't know. I, it just was. I mean, it's a sad, sad story. But I think one that needed to be told, particularly with all the again Hitler, be, you know, the tweet becoming chancellor, um, the the freeing of Auschwitz, and then Remembrance Day. Yeah. All right. Anything else? How do you follow that? I don't no. think we do. We, we sign off on that. Uh, all right. So thank you for listening to our podcast and kikiing with us this week. A special thank you to the guy who keeps our sound in check, Spencer. Spencer joins us from our Spoopy podcast. So make sure you're taking a listen to our Spoopy podcast wherever you can find your podcast. Um, and don't forget to subscribe so you can hear future episodes. You can visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff and on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. Leave us a review and tell us what you think. And if you don't want to do it, you can drop us a line in public at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff at gmail.com. And th- with that, we are part of the Listen Works Network. So follow us all at, like I said, our, our spooky podcast and Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. So with that, we're here. We're queer. Get used to it.